Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Welcome into another edition of the JMU Sports News Podcast. I'm Bennett Conlon. I'm here with Jack Fitzpatrick. And uh, we've got a somewhat interesting podcast, I would say. I, th- I would say that I'm more excited right now about basketball, just having gone to a couple games in football. But I think there's uh, there's reason for significant football talk today. So, Yeah, I, I guess there is. I mean, I love football when it's football season, but... Especially, I think, since I graduated college, I've enjoyed college basketball significantly more than I've enjoyed college football. I'm not sure why that is, but there's just a special place. Maybe it's because I had to spend 12, 13 hours a day at CBS Sports, you know, just covering these mid-majors. So it created a soft spot in my heart. But I absolutely love college basketball. But with that being said, the playoffs are almost here. And I think... We have to talk about what JMU football's resume looks like. We'll start with their resume talk. We'll dive into potential seeding. And then we'll kind of look around the national stage to see where they stack up to see if there's a possibility they'll get pushed out of a top four seed, if they'll sneak into a top four seed, what the committee might do, what the committee might not do. And we might try and get on a guest next week to preview um, the playoffs or, or maybe after the, uh, after the, the bracket comes out we can get a guest on and talk about it then but first off they just beat William and Mary in a 32-22 game that wasn't that close it was not a 10-point game um but a good win nonetheless Hollis Mathis did play so my blunder was saved on last week's podcast but what'd you see out of the Dukes against the Tribe? I mean, like it's it's kind of the same thing they've done multiple times this year, right? Where they they're up, what was it, twenty three nothing? I think it was. So they they kind of pulled pulled away, and then they give up some plays late, which they've had happen. Um, the Weaver State game, I guess, kind of comes to mind where they gave up some points late. Um, they controlled the game. There was never really a point where I thought they would lose. Like watching parts of it and then sort of paying attention live, and then going back and watching some. Like it never felt like the game was actually in jeopardy. Um, but at the same time, like. A lot of field goals again, which can be frustra- frustrating uh, for fans, certainly. So, yes, as you I can tell by my tweets throughout <laughs> the game, I said, I mean, at one point, I said, I'd never want to see Ethan Ratke again. I think Ethan Ratke is like a, an awesome weapon to have, and he, him making everything is really good. I guess we'll get into this more in a little bit, but like, I'm not nearly as um, disheartened as some JMU fans. Like, they're nine and one, eight of the wins have been by double digits. I think they're really good. I also, think they might not be a top four seed in a fair way, which we'll get into. So like, I don't know. I still think to me, the, the national title favorites, um, I would have it go North Dakota state one, James Madison, two, Sam Houston, three is how I view it right now. And really? I, can explain, I can explain that if you'd like. Oh, well, we'll, we'll explain that when we do our look <laughs> around because I'm, I'm actually, that is a perfect way to tease for everyone to keep listening because I really want to hear how you have North Dakota state who we've ragged on both on the podcast, in our own text messages all season. We don't think – well, I don't think they're that good, but we'll get into that in a bit. Just some of the raw numbers coming out of the William & Mary game. Cole Johnson went 24-42 for 334 yards, one touchdown. Another great game by him. Only one touchdown is a little weird, but then again, they didn't score a lot of touchdowns in that game. They only scored two, both by Cole. One was a rushing touchdown, and he also led the team in rushing with 52 yards. Latrell averaged 2.7 yards per carry. 
his 18 attempts only netted 49, 48 yards, excuse me. Um, so not the overall blow your socks off wow performance. Antoine Wells almost had double digit catches, nine catches, 134 yards. The one touchdown was to Chris Thornton, who had himself a pretty good game. Um, Clayton Cheatham got banged up in the game. Solomon Van Horse had three receptions. Overall, you're just looking at nothing really stuck out to you. It, this was a game, I mean, it, it's at William & Mary. It's, it's a traditional rivalry, you know. But granted, it hasn't been necessarily all that even in the last couple of years, kind of like the Richmond rivalry. But they're always going to kind of play you a little tough in the Mike London style of playing. JMU putting up 32 points is pretty good. William & Mary is a solid CAA defense. And they are a rush first team, so they're going to bleed the clock. You're not going to have as many possessions. It was really annoying to see Ethan Racky, I think, go six for six on the day. You would love for JMU to, you know, cap off those drives a couple of times. Um, there was one in particular where I tweeted about it. The analytics would tell you you need to go for it on fourth and one, like within their own 20. Because um, if you go for it, you would have gone up three scores, but you kick the field goal and you're still up only two. I could talk all day about some of the analytics decisions by Kurt Signetti, even though he doesn't even use analytics. So that's besides the point. Um, but so I'm, I'm so interested in this team. Cause like, tell me if I'm wrong here, where it feels like we wrong. know. It, Sorry. Too soon. Was that too soon? <laughs> it feels like we know a lot about this team in the way that like, all right, Cole Johnson is good. Uh, Antoine Wells is very good. Chris Thornton is very good. They don't really have a dynamic running game and the defense is good and they have red zone problems. Like that feels like that's what, like we know this, it probably is not going to change drastically. And like, if you put that out there every week, it probably gives you a chance. Like, I don't know if it actually wins a national title, but like, that's kind of what they are. Imagine I have two, I have two kind of answers to that. Imagine saying what you just said to us, 12 weeks ago or whenever we recorded our football preview podcast, where we're saying they have a stable of running backs. This running back room is going to be absolutely lethal. It's going to be so good. Now it's just decimated by injuries. The offensive line has had its struggles and they can't run block all that well. Latrell Palmer, who I nicknamed the manimal last season, he's kind of struggling at times to really get going as the feature back and their run games non-existent. Imagine saying that to us when we did our football preview. Yeah. I mean, it's way different than what we expected. <laughs> it's absolutely um, crazy. It just kind of seems like they're a, a pass-heavy team that'll – yeah, what was your second point? The second point is, like, I, I know what you're saying. Yeah, this is a great defense. They're going to hold you to probably under 20, um, probably under 25 for sure. The only game this season they allowed more than 25 points was the loss against Villanova where they allowed 28. Um, William and Mary allowing 22 is the most points they've allowed since September 18th against Weber State, excluding the Villanova game. So this is a darn good defense. Um, and the way they play of kicking six field goals, you're probably going to win a lot of games just that way and getting a touchdown or two from Cole Johnson plus three or four field goals is probably going to win you most games. It might get you to the national championship. I don't think it'll win you the national championship, but it can get you there. Um, with all that being said, I think the annoying part to me is that they've shown at times they're capable in the red zone. And they, they just can't be consistent. And I, that's where I kind of have the issues with it. And it's, it's almost like you know you're the better team. So why are you settling for fourth and one field goals within their 15, within 
the opponent's 10. Like, shove it down their throats. Do something. You have one of the best pass-catching wide receivers in the nation. You have one of the most efficient quarterbacks who can also run. Why don't you get him out on a bootleg, a play-action, something? Because they're – like, I think that's where I have the issue with this team is we know everything about it. We know their red zone woes. Why don't you just go for it? Why don't you just be more aggressive when you have such a better team where the opponent's not going to drive 90 yards on you? I think that's what's interesting too is like, I don't think they can shove it down their throats. Like shoving it down their throat would be like a slant route. Well, that's you know what, what I, mean? okay, I guess I should say that. That's what I mean. Like a play action bootleg where you get Wells and Johnson where there's two, there's a defender between them and he has to pick, am I going to cover Wells? Am I going to go up and put pressure on Johnson? That's what I mean by like, be smarter with your play calling, be, do stuff like that. Don't shove it down their throat on fourth and one on the goal line and get stuffed for the fifth time in a row. <laughs> that's fair, but it's also that's where it's so interesting with Signetti is like that's Signetti's not throwing a fourth and one pass. Like he's just that's not always wired. Like he wants to run the ball fifty times a game. His team is a pass offense, which they've sort of accepted pretty well but when it's yeah, they've a fourth accepted and one, fairly well oh, for, for 80 yards they've accepted for the most part yeah but when it's fourth and one it's like oh i just want to run the ball or i'm going to trot out my kicker who i know is going to make it yeah i don't think he's deep into the weeds and analytics i'll certainly say that i think he's happy three points three points three points and with this team it's not the worst thing in the world like i think when you go to like high level college or the nfl like the margins are pretty slim right so if you can get those edges with analytics it's huge the margin between a JMU and a William and Mary is like, even with a coach who doesn't give a a rat's ass about analytics, like they're probably still going to score enough points to win the game. So it's really fascinating because like that's when fans get mad when they lose the national title where maybe North Dakota state out coaches them a little bit. That's where it bites JMU. It's it's not in these conference games It's later down the road, but I don't know, like for me, and I keep thinking of this, I was thinking of this today, like, if they make the quarterfinals, that is my expectation right now. Like, make the quarterfinals. I think from that point on, the quarterfinals could be a dogfight because they're looking like a four or a five seed. I yeah. think the other four or fives can be pretty good. So, like, that game, I don't think will be a gimme. And then you've got semifinals, national title. Again, I think those would be against really good teams. So, like, for me, I think everyone has different expectations. Like, a lot of fans are expecting, like, all right, this is a national title or bust. Like, it's our last FCS run. Like we got to win this thing. The way I view it is like if they make the quarterfinals and have a 10 win season, honestly, I'm not going to be mad as a fan. I'd be a little disappointed, um, but that's sort of what I'm expecting. And if they do more than that, I'm just going to be happy and enjoy it. I, I feel like we've gotten to a point where fans like can't even enjoy 10 win seasons. Like in 2014, my first year as a, a student and fan, like they went started two and three and had to rally just to make the playoffs. So, you know, whatever it is now, seven years later, everyone expects national titles and the whole like turnaround is incredible, but also maybe not appreciated as much by fans on a weekly basis where it's like, Hey, we literally demolish everyone in the conference and we have a national title shot. And that, that seems like a good thing. Yeah. That's a really great point. I, I, I think the uh, expectation for my end is semifinal, not quarter. I think that's also fair. I, I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't say I'm expecting a national championship. I think it is going to be a dogfight, especially where they end up getting seeded. So if you want to move on, I don't think we need to touch on Towson very much. They're not a really good team. They beat up on the bad CAA teams, and Jamie should handle them. I did want to make one quick oh, comment sorry. or slash sorry. question 
to you about this. Is there they're five and zero on the road this year? And I think this kind of ties in with the the seeding conversation. Like if they do end up getting like uh, if they get a four or a five, like we're maybe thinking, um, if they're a five, they would probably have to play two road games, the quarterfinal, uh, they play the four, and then the semifinal, if they won, you would play the one seed, and then you go to Frisco. So you'd have to win three, not at Bridgeport to win a national title. If you're the four, you'd have to win the semifinal and national championships or two games, not at fourth. I know these teams on the road, as maybe we thought, um, but do you feel like those road games have at least prepared them for like a, hey, you got to win a semifinal on the road? Like you think they're good enough quality teams? Yeah, I mean, I, if they're not traveling, I mean, they, they showed against Weber State, they can travel to Ogden. Granted, Weber State, we've talked about it all season, wasn't as good as we thought they were going to be, but they still traveled to Ogden, Utah, and put on one of their best performances of the season. Like that was a darn good performance. And the FCS committee tries to make it where you're not going to Ogden, Utah in the quarters. Like you might have to in the semis, but they try to keep you relatively close in terms of the quarters and the second round, but they'll host the second round. Um, I, I don't think playing on the road is all that much of a disadvantage in the FCS. <laughs> like most of these teams, even in the playoffs, aren't going to like – Bridgeforth is the exception to the rule. The Fargo Dome is the exception to the, the rule. The Inferno out in Eastern Washington, that's an exception to the rule. Most FCS schools are not pulling in crazed fan bases into their home crowds, even for the playoffs. So I don't think home field is necessarily a huge, huge disadvantage. But I think what the disadvantage is, is not playing at Bridgeforth. Yeah, that's a good point. And, and I guess going off of that, like, they the, I guess the schedule at home has not been as challenging. They lost the Villanova game, but those other four, is that right? Yeah, those other four, those wins, they have absolutely demolished teams. Like, do you think there is any truth to like, hey, they're playing, their best performances have been at home? Or is the Villanova game knock out that theory? The Villanova game to me knocks that out. If you've like, you could argue they also dominated Weber State. The score is closer than it was. They dominated New Hampshire. Again, weird mistakes made it close and it was dominated Richmond beat Delaware. I wouldn't, I won't go so far as say dominated. Cause if I recall that game was a little weird at times um, and then dominated William and Mary all on the road. So I think the, you can, the same can be said about being on the road and they don't have a blemish on the road. Sounds like they're pretty good at football. Huh? Sounds like kicking it six times a game and relying on your defense kind of works, but I don't like that. So I'm going to complain. They had eight scoring drives. Yeah, but six of which were three <laughs> points. It's honestly so impressive. <laughs> the amount of field goals they kick in a game is absurd. Well, they had like they had the uh, the stretch where it was like, oh yeah, Rocky's got a chance to like extend some records or maybe get near some FBS kicking records. And they're like, what if we made twenty field goals in three games? It's like, whoa, whoa, <laughs> calm down there, boys. There's still so much football left to play if this team has a run in them too that you can almost guarantee he's going to be kicking three to four field goals again. Is, like just, is Kyle Davis the holder? Is yeah, that, I believe so. Okay, I think – let me double-check so I don't have, have that wrong. Yes. long or Sorry, long snapper. Kyle Davis, long snapper. Alex Miller is okay. the holder is what I meant. Um, but, Jamie, you had tweeted out from the football account is Ratke, Davis, and Miller, like, in a huddle, and they're like, this group is special. And I was like, we got to be the only football team in the country that's, like, built different. 
but well, with its like long snapping holder and place kicker trio. <laughs> you know what's insane is that they're doing that. They've got to be the only school that does that, and they're still ranked number two in the top twenty-five. Like, it's you, also, you would expect that out of Samford after they played Florida and they absolutely get. <laughs> or like you expect that out of Harvard or Princeton or Dartmouth. You don't expect that out of James Madison, the second best team in the country, according to the stats perform FCS top 25. It's also funny. Cause like, it's true. Like he's yeah, like 28 of 30 on field goals. Like they're really, really good. With his two this- misses being in the most inopportune time. He's yeah. I think he's 42 for 44 dating back to the spring with yep. a two. Yeah. Actually insane. But uh, they're they're automatic, but yeah, I think fans would would do without six field goals. Be pretty happy with that. Yeah. So do you want to move on over into? Well, I guess JMU's resume, and then that'll lead us into yeah. the kind of what we expect out of the seating. Just kind of you talk about JMU's resume itself and where you expect the Dukes to be seated. Kind of sick of the resume conversation on on Twitter, so I'm excited. I also forgot until this week how like. Because JMU almost always has a buy, like in our podcasting memory, you got what the Colgate year, I guess, was the one uh, exception to that, where they played Delaware in like a horrendous opening round game. Yeah. Uh, but they normally have a buy, so you like don't pay that much attention. They play Towson, and then Sunday we get the bracket. So then there's Thanksgiving, but JMU doesn't play. So I disregard that weekend of football at the FCS level. <laughs> And the kind of pay attention. <laughs> Wait, that was, that was so rude how you said that. That it's first like, well, round does not count. It, it it matters for the playoffs, certainly, but it's it's also like rivalry weekend at the FBS level. So like <laughs> I'm not gonna watch like Sacred Heart play someone when I could watch Ohio State and Michigan play. I'm not not an idiot. So I go <laughs> people are probably getting real mad right now. Um, no, but like I, I like those games more, so I watched the the high level. You're digging yourself yeah. a hole, just deeper and deeper. Just <laughs> what's your point? Anyway, anyway, my point is that I forget how quickly it all happens with like the bracket. Like we're gonna get the bracket on Sunday, which is kind of fascinating. I'm excited for playoffs. They're like essentially here, um, which is cool. But the resume conversation is almost over. Is is kind of my main point, Thank which goodness. is nice because um, I'm I'm a little sick of it. Like there's a bunch of weird stats going out. I saw one that was like JMU's opponent's record is it's like just above 500 which is actually better than north dakota states and stuff but if you take out like villanova the the opponents that jamie's actually beaten have like a below 500 record so like you could do that kind of stuff all day um but their their resume is not that bad it's just like it's decent and i think they have a couple results like obviously the loss to villanova doesn't help them having a loss with their one marquee game but they have like weber state uh, Richmond, Delaware, William Mary, those are all like solid wins. And they've got pretty much all these wins, except for New Hampshire, were by double digits. So that's good. But like Weber State, they were up 27, gave up a late couple of scores. William Mary could have been a much bigger blowout. I do think the margin of victory is actually going to come back to kind of bite Jamie in the butt just a tad. Do you want to hear a hot take here, real quick, as we're breaking it all down? Yes. So North Dakota State and JMU are clearly going to kind of fight for positioning both are one loss teams both were losses um in conference jmu's was a closer conference loss by one point compared to north dakota state's loss by eight points but they have a similar opponent in towson north dakota state beat towson 35 to 7 do you think there's any thought in kurt signetti's mind in terms of seeding if we can beat them 45 to 0 the committee will like that 
I think the issue for me is if they beat South Dakota, North Dakota State, which is the only if, if North Dakota State loses, I think JMU is like a better seed, right? I think we can agree on that. Yeah. So if they beat South Dakota, they're going to have wins over South Dakota, uh, Missouri State, Northern Iowa, which is a pretty decent team. They won at North Dakota, right? They blew out a couple bottom feeder CAA teams. I just feel like the committee is going to over, maybe not overvalue, but it will overvalue the Missouri Valley a little bit. And I do think that that resume, plus the only loss being to South Dakota, like I, I still think North Dakota State's getting the edge, even if JMU beats Towson by like 50. Do you want to hear something kind of crazy? Yes. So the, the teams you mentioned that they beat, the ranked teams, which was UNI, Missouri State, and if they beat South Dakota, they beat South Dakota. North Dakota and UNI are no longer ranked. Has anyone moved into it on their wins? Like, is anyone a now ranked? Let me double check as, if you want to continue talking. No, Illinois I, State is not. Um, Indiana State, I can guarantee, is not. Youngstown right. State is not. Towson is not. Valpo's not. Albany's not. I don't think North Dakota State's resume is all that much better than JMU's. Like, and I also don't think – like, what worries me is the committee's dumb. So I'm afraid that they're going to see kind of closer than it should be. You've got, so who are the – well, Jamie doesn't have a ranked win. Is Weber no longer ranked? No, they're not going to make the playoffs. I think they have five losses. Okay, so it was Weber, New Hampshire. They're not ranked. They're like three and seven. Delaware is definitely not ranked. William Mary just dropped out. William Mary just dropped out. Villanova I don't think, is a loss. So you've got – if you're looking at the current – what am I on? The stats poll – You've got a lot. If you're North Dakota State, you beat uh, Missouri State, which is ranked. That's your only ranked. And you, and South Dakota is not going to drop from 16 out of the top 25. So if you win again, you've got two. And then you've also got the fact that you and I is the first team receiving votes. I don't know who they play next. Um, but like, so I, could, I guess, I guess, yeah, I guess in my mind, North like people are hyping up North Dakota State's resume as like this vastly like vastly superior resume to JMU's and that they play ranked teams every week. And I guess I'm just really tired of the Missouri Valley fandom. I don't think the Missouri Valley, this is going to get me heated. I don't think the Missouri Valley is that much better than the CAA. I just think there's so much love for this, the Missouri Valley that people give them the benefit of the doubt when it comes to rankings, but that's a completely different podcast. It just really grinds my gears that we're talking how a six and four Missouri Valley team, six and five Missouri Valley team, is almost a lock to make it, but a seven and four Rhode Island team is all but out. Like, come on. Yeah, I think that's stupid. But I then think FBS win. Oh, don't even, oh, whatever. UMass is particularly horrible, but yes, it's still technically an FBS one. I think the thing that stands out is like the Massey ratings that Sam Herr tweets. It's got, what does it have? North Dakota State's got the 17th best schedule, according to that, where Jamie was 48th. So I think the committee is going to find some metric like that and, and say that if they're both ranked the same, I do think that uh, North Dakota State will get the edge, although I agree with you that I, I don't think the gap between those teams is particularly large. I also will say this. I, I think I said it a few years ago when we were talking about JMU, you and I in a playoff game. You and I had the number one strength of schedule that season, yeah. and JMU had a really, ba- really bad strength of schedule that season. But it was clear JMU was the better team. Now, I'm not saying in this scenario that JMU is – head and shoulders better than North Dakota state. I think they're very similar. I just kind of sometimes hate that strength of schedule argument when 
you can use your eye test and see like you can only you can only control to sound like a football coach you can control your controllables you can only play the people that are put on your schedule like so to 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 be like well their strength of schedule even though they have three losses is better than this team who has no losses i think it bothers me too if we expand our picture real quick and going to the fbs granted cincinnati has proven that they're not worthy of a college football playoff spot but when they were worthy what four weeks ago when the rankings first dropped and they get they get punished for playing a poor strength of schedule even though that's what their conference is it also bothered me with ucf but that's besides the point (laughs) yeah i feel you there i think uh i think it's going to be kind of an interesting seeding scenario and how it all goes out but I kind of think they're going to be the five. I think if, if, if Montana state and North Dakota state and Sam Houston and Villanova all win this weekend, which is a big, if I kind of think Montana, um, that game against Montana state is at Montana. I kind of think Montana is going to, going to upset them. Um, but. I mean, that's the, the brawl of the wild. I mean, that is a, that's going to be a, I mean, you don't know who's going to win that game is the thing. Like, I also kind of think the same thing with North Dakota State, South Dakota. You kind of know who's going to win that game, but you wouldn't be be surprised if it was an upset. Yeah, it would definitely shake some stuff up. But the way I I see it personally, and I actually don't think this is crazy, I think Sam Houston's getting the one. Yeah. um, There's no way you can't give it. I know they've had a weak schedule in the WAC. I've been saying Southland all season. I'm not used to them playing in the WAC. Um, whatever whatever they play in they play a cupcake soft schedule but you can't not give it to them they won the national title last year with a very similar team and they won all their games in dominating fashion this season so like they've looked pretty good for the most part um sam houston will be one i think if north dakota state wins north dakota state is going to be two based off of pedigree yeah i agree i think montana state would be three in this scenario if montana state wins you sorry, I don't mean to keep interrupting. That's no, that's kind of what I'm saying. Though. Like, if they win, they got the win at Montana, and like a, it's a pretty decent resume, I think. I, I think they might... should be the two if they win. Okay, well then, when you have North Dakota State at three, yeah. Okay, so regardless, one of those that if they win, that's probably two three, and then to me, if Villanova wins, I think Villanova gets the four over JMU. They would be the conference champion. Their losses to William and Mary, which is not a great loss, I'll admit that. Uh, but they beat JMU head to head. They're the conference champion. There are other losses to Penn State. Like I think the committee would put them at four. I think JMU would be the five. And I don't think that fans should even get mad at that. Like I that's think, what. No, I think they should. Fans are, no, fans are getting so upset about like, oh, we might not get the two. If if the teams win, you're definitely not getting the two. Yeah. So the, I think the question would be either Villanova or JMU. Who gets the four and who gets the five? And then, like, Eastern Washington or someone will be six. I'm looking at Eastern Washington's schedule. That loss to Weber State sucks. Because if they didn't lose that to Weber State, this is a lot more interesting. Um, they have two losses? <laughs> they have two losses. A one-point loss to Weber State and a three-point loss to Montana State, both at home. I think that, yeah, I think the Weber one kills them. Yeah, 100%. They're not a – but here's the thing. JMU's not the one, two, or three. JMU, to me, is the four. The fa- Do I think – do I put it past the committee to put Villanova at four and put JMU down? No, I don't, because I think they'll look at the head-to-head only and be like, well, Villanova's clearly the better team. I think they should put Villanova. No. Why? 
Wait, tell me why not. Well, their loss to Delaware, to William and Mary, is a terrible loss. JMU went to William and Mary and beat them down. Villanova brought William and Mary into their house, into the vaunted Villanova Wildcat Stadium, and lost in terrible fashion, 31-18. And at one point, I think Villanova was down three scores. What is JMU's best win? What is – damn it, it's, it's JMU, duh. What is, what is – no, what's JMU's best win? Right now at Weber State. Yeah, they're not a playoff team. You've got a Villanova team that beat Rhode Island, which has a legit shot of getting in, 44 to nothing. And they beat JMU at JMU Stadium. Like the William Mary thing, but, yes. Okay, only re- do you think the committee will look at the fact that Villanova won that game, but Ethan Ratke missed two kicks at no. the end? Okay, no, it's right. like they won't. Is- you're right. I knew that answer when I asked it. No, this is a, this is a good that. point because fans fans have asked that. They're like, he's automatic. You think they'll view that as a fluke? They turned the ball over four times. Daniel Smith threw four interceptions against William Mary. That's rarely happens. Like, is that a fluke or is it what happened in the game? He missed the kicks. He missed two. If you want to be a two, they would be the one seed. If Ethan Ratke made one of those field goals, they're probably the one seed. It's also insane because here we are talking about it. We're going really in depth. Fans are going really in depth. I can guarantee you the committee is not looking at the box score of Villanova JMU in the final five minutes and seeing that Ethan Ratke missed a kick. Like I can guarantee you that is not. And then going and seeing that Ethan Ratke is perfect for the other part of the season like i guarantee you that is not happening they're looking at villanova beating jmu and then they're gonna favor that and that villanova has wins over playoff teams in dominating fashion they've also like aside from that one game they've looked really good like they murdered lehigh and bucknell i know those teams aren't good but like oh the vaunted bucknell it's it's the same thing that jmu did against moorhead and like maine like none of those are or campbell moorhead and campbell like it's the same level of impressive win and then they went in the conference they had one loss which was not a great loss but then they had a lot of really good wins rhode island madison they blew out elon they blew out stony brook blew out rhode island like i i don't know how you if you were if jmu had the flipped resume and they had went to Villanova, they were eight and two, and they won that game, fans would be like, of course we should be ahead. We beat them head to head. Here's a question for you. If we really want to get into the weeds of this, really, really get our hands dirty. Are we yes. discrediting, discrediting JMU's 55 to seven beatdown of Maine? I don't want to discredit these, but it's like, I don't think they've done anything that's more impressive than what Villanova has done. But I'm just saying Maine also then beat Rhode Island 45 to 24 and then also was beat an FBS team. So Maine is a team with a win over a playoff team, win over an FBS team and JMU beat them 55 to 7. So like I, I know again we're getting so into the weeds that the committee is not going to get into and look at. But to me it's just crazy that like we we discredit some of the wins because it wasn't I don't know. I think JMU is a better team than Villanova. I don't think that matters for the conversation. Like, I think Villanova is a really – like, if they – here's the thing. To me, the way – if they're the four versus five, you're basically saying which team, if they get to – what is that, the quarterfinals, which team deserves to play at home? It's the one that beat the other team at their place, in my opinion. That's how I would view it. It's like if one of those teams is the four and one is the five, Villanova should be able to play at home because it beat JMU. I guess. 
I don't agree. I don't agree <laughs> that Villanova is the four. I understand where you're coming from. I, they also. I, they also might not be because I think the committee sucks. I think they should be the four, but that's my take. Again, they also have to beat Delaware. And like, if it's a squeaky win over Delaware or something, then maybe you could start to poke some holes in, in uh, Villanova. But I think Villanova is a good football team. Um, they do have one fewer FCS win because they played an FBS game. If you want to factor that in, I guess you could, but that might actually come into play too, because the committee's dumb. <laughs> So we'll see. We'll see what happens there. I still think there's a legit shot Montana State uh, loses to Montana, in which case maybe you're looking at JMU at like the the three maybe, which would be – although I actually kind of think the four or five is a better spot for JMU. Can we get well, into that? I was also going to say, based off of your entire spiel, how in the world would they go from five to three if Montana State loses? That would be based if you're, if you're correct where JMU still over Villanova. Oh, okay. I, I think- would have been a four. Yeah. I would. I actually think it's better if they are the four. I think that's perfect. I think four is the best because then you're playing Sam Houston or even a five. Because if it's if 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 it's a revenge tour where you go at Villanova, and <laughs> and then at Sam Houston, sign me up. Like they're winning both those games because I feel like with this team, the only thing that like gets them down is when they like lose focus and like start to kind of put it in cruise control. Like if they're playing those teams with like a motivating factor, I would think they would actually stop in their throat and kill them. Okay, so I want to go back to something you said earlier in the podcast, now that we've gotten kind of the seeding talk out of the way. We disagree on it. I I will say, I do think Montana State or North Dakota State, I don't think both win. I think one of them will lose. That's fair. Pushing it up. Um, Who, I don't know. Also, it's worth mentioning, if Montana wins, I wouldn't put it past the committee to see them just jump Montana all the way up. They have an impressive, not an impressive, but they have an FBS win over a marquee program. That's actually a pretty good against Eastern Washington and Sacramento state's a bad loss, but the Eastern Washington one isn't a terrible loss. Um, I wouldn't be surprised to see Montana jump up into the seed conversation Saturday night. If they win, they should definitely be a seed. Yeah. Yeah. I think, I think, I don't, you know. have- I don't think so. If Villanova and JMU both win, I think they're the three, four, and then Montana's the five. I was just saying they should be a seed. I thought oh, that's. What oh, you- I forget that. I forget when we say seed, we also mean oh, eight. top eight. Yeah, yeah. Because the, the bottom, like the top five, I think is really good. And then you've got like at least in the polls, you've got Eastern Tennessee and Kennesaw State, the eight nine. Like, I mean, they don't. They don't even really need to come to the playoffs, do they? Like that just seems like a waste of everyone's time to even show up. Actually, <laughs> Sacramento State's number eleven in the nation. I thought Sacramento State was bad again this season. My apologies. So both of the both of Montana's losses are against top fifteen ranked teams, and then with an FBS win, and then if they can beat Montana State, which is number three, I think Montana jumps into the top four conversation. Over. They don't have any. Yeah, they don't have any great wins yet. Right. Right. That's kind FBS of oh, Washington. 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 Yeah. So then if you get Washington and Montana State, they got a good resume too. So there's a lot of interesting seed things. I think there's a chance. Wouldn't be crazy if Montana wins. You'd have both those Montana schools at some sort of seed. It might be like a five-six situation. I think if Montana's, I think Montana State. Here are the teams I think are locked into a seed: Sam okay. Houston, JMU. No, I, if JMU loses, they are yeah. Not then, they're, then they're screwed. <laughs> but if JMU wins, they're locked in. It would be shocking if they lost. Regardless, so I, JMU's actually not locked in. I don't know what I'm saying. I don't think that. I don't think East Tennessee is necessarily a seed. I don't either. I think UC Davis will be a seed over them. If they they win. I forget who they play. I do too, but they, they were just so dominant. They were at six last week. 
if they win, I think they can catapult Tennessee, East Tennessee, and Kansas. Okay, yeah. moving into what you said about North Dakota State being <laughs> a favorite to win the national title right now. I need you to expand yeah. on this because I can see three to four teams that are better than North Dakota State in terms of winning the national title. Here's the way I view it, is if North Dakota State beats South Dakota, which I kind of think they're going to do, I think, I think there's a pretty good chance they're the two. That would, so my, my thinking here is that they would get the two, which is critical for this. I don't think Sam Houston's winning the national title. Um, they have too many good teams that they beat last year that they like could face again. They have played nobody, and they've actually had a couple close games. Um, I just feel like they're due for like, uh, oh, my God, we're undefeated in number one and won the national title. Like that's a lot of pressure for a team that I don't think is built to win like back-to-back national titles. No offense to them. Don't disrespect KC. Keeler like that they're, they're good I just don't think they're gonna win the national title this year and they to be honest with you they shouldn't have won the national title last year they were helped by like six lucky wins in a row the entire playoff run was nonsense you're making some <laughs> listeners down there in Texas a little upset about all Am I this. wrong I'm not wrong JMU completely choked you've got South Dakota State gets its like quarterback injured early in the game so they were able to like come back they had no business winning that game uh, Monmouth Monmouth had him on the ropes like North Dakota State had him late where they needed a late drive even though North Dakota State had literally no passing attack which I guess they still don't but I think they're maybe better defensively and running the ball so I don't think they're winning the national title North Dakota State if they're the two they get to go to Frisco playing at the Fargo Dome like so they can make it all the way to Frisco with the Fargo Dome I think that's the best home field advantage so I think that's kind of why I see them where it's like if you get Montana State or someone at home it's the three I kind of like their chances there to to win that one. And then if they're playing, I guess that would be the issue. If they play JMU in a neutral field, they're not winning that game. I think JMU beats them. But um, <laughs> I think that's kind of where that's kind of where I give them the edge. It's like I think they if they're the a two seed, I think they have the best path of anyone to um, to the uh, the national title game. All right, give me your national title game. Who's, who's in it? Who's playing? Who wins? That's a great question. This is a really good question. I think it's going to be – it obviously depends a lot on the seating, right? So it that's does, and, be, that's, and that's – we'll revise this once the seating comes out because it'll change drastically once we see the bracket. I think it's going to be JMU South Dakota State. I think an unseated South Dakota State makes the national title game. Bold. They're, so I think they have – they lost on a Hail Mary this week, which is like a joke, but they, they lose on a Hail Mary. Their other losses, what they have an FBS win, were their other losses? Pulling it up, folks. They have an one-point overtime loss to Southern Illinois, and then Northern Iowa, they lost by nine. But so they've got a Hail Mary and a one-point overtime loss. Like So they're two kind of like real close calls away from, from being nine and one with a 20-point FBS win. And if you look at like the SP plus, which is like the Bill Conley uh, ESPN data, I love your advanced metrics that you I think well, it's like the only FCS like legit advanced metrics, unless you want to use like Sagarin or something. But I think he's got uh, it was like maybe North Dakota State one, South Dakota State two, even with three losses, and then like JMU three. Like I think if based on like the numbers and what I've seen from that team, I still think they're one of the best teams. I think they're going to have a really hard road now because they're going to have to play road games and like challenging brackets. But I don't think anybody wants to see that team. You don't have a seed. There's no pressure. I think they'll, they'll make a pretty good run here. All right. So you said JMU South Dakota state who wins. I'll take JMU. 
you have to say that this is a JMU podcast. I do have to. Um, Although I kinda, actually, I will after everything you said, I, I kind of think South Dakota State might beat them. They're really good. <laughs> um, I'm going to go – this is a JMU podcast, like I just said, so I'm going to have to pick JMU makes it. I think they get a seed. I think they're a top four seed, hopefully four, so they can play Sam Houston in the semis. And I can't wait for JMU to face off with Sam Houston. And then the Sam Houston podcast, Walk on Radio, pulls all of these clips and plays them and makes us look stupid if JMU loses. <laughs> We're really centered. Uh, there's no team I would want to face more in the semifinals. Like you could tell me you could face like an unseeded, like Monmouth kind of team. I'd rather face Sam Houston. That's how easy I think beating Sam Houston is going to be. So <laughs> I have JMU in the natty. This is really tough because I'm looking at the top 25 right now. I love your South Dakota State pick. I don't agree with it, but I love it. I remember when you were really high in Southern Illinois. I'm going to go Montana State. I think Montana State beats Montana this week at the Brawl of the Wild. And that's a huge game. We don't really understand it out here on the East Coast. But if you're out in Montana, if you're a Montana State guy, a Montana guy, that's one of the, that is the biggest game of the season. So if they can win that at Montana, huge, huge, yeah. huge and I think they can run. And if JMU wins, if Montana State wins, I think Montana State's the two. JMU's the four. Um, South North Dakota State's the three. And the so worst matchup in the worst possible scenario, in my opinion, is North Dakota State wins this weekend. Sam Houston wins, and Montana State loses. And if JMU gets the three over Villanova and has to play the semifinals in the Fargo Dome, I think that's terrible. I don't want that at all. Dude, I don't want to ever go back there. <laughs> I hope JMU never plays another game in the Fargo Dome for as long as they exist. Well, it's kind of like the Virginia Tech thing, right? We can always pound our chest how we won, but if we go back and lose like in embarrassing fashion, then like there goes the win. It's also it just it does not if for a team that like has weird lapses, I think twenty thousand like <laughs> like drunk and fired up North Dakotan <laughs> screaming in this dome does not seem like <laughs> a good recipe for a team that might just completely puke all over itself for like a five minute stretch and give up like 21 points. So with all that being said, we have to go into the CAA weekly pick them before we get to basketball. We forgot the weekly pick them last week, which is That's disappointing, a, which is a travesty, but you still have a one game lead on me. Thank God. Um, so let's move to this week. We apologize for missing it to all of our loyal listeners. I know that's something we all look forward to, but this now it all comes down to this. I have to pick two games different from you to win one game the same for the regular season title and the full season title after the playoffs. We'll figure it out. But for the regular season title, it all comes down to this week. Albany at Stony Brook. Who do you have? Can we do a quick um, reverse apology? Um, I believe on this podcast we said that um, the CAA teams would not fare well against UMass. They beat the living crap out of UMass in consecutive we weeks. I want to – We were winning the CAA teams. We said that UMass would be a middle-of-the-road CAA team, and then middle-of-the-road CAA teams made UMass look stupid. I want to give a reverse apology to UMass. Your program is a joke. Um, <laughs> yeah, I just wanted to make that, that clear. You have the worst football program I've ever seen outside of UConn. And UMass beat UConn. Yeah, so that's <laughs> – to give that – Jim Mora Jr. is going to turn around those Huskies. Guy, what a, what a weird Something Randy Etzel could not do. 
This is a good question on the Stony Brook game. Stony Brook, did they play last week? Yeah, they got blown out by Villanova. Stony Brook's not playing well right now. Uh, Albany's actually won two in a row. Don't look now. I'm and looking. It, a lot of people are saying that they're the Against best. Morgan State. Well, they've won one CAA game, and then they played Morgan State. A lot of people are saying that, that Albany is the best 2-8 and eight team uh, in the FCS, and I'm inclined to agree. So I'll take Albany here three in a row. They finish on a good note. Uh, they sweat it out a little bit on Selection Sunday, but I think they just fall over Georgia. It's the eight losses that I think keep them out. Um, I'm really glad you took Albany here. I'm going Stony Brook. Okay. <laughs> All right. Wait, I got to write this down. So you went Albany. I went Stony Brook. All right. I don't really – I just like – I like it's at it's on Long Island where things happen. Villanova at Delaware. This is a sneaky, good, terrible matchup because Nolan Henderson, I still don't believe, is back. He's out for the season now. The best storyline about Delaware is like, ah, they're just missing that Nolan Henderson guy. Even though they gave up 51 to Richmond and, like, their defense just isn't good anymore. And I yeah, feel like we I thought their it. defense would, like, keep up like historic numbers that they had last season and they just are a bad CAA defense. It's hilarious though. Cause it's like, God, if they just had Nolan, it's like, does Nolan also play safety? Like, <laughs> no, if I only think they, they had Nazir Adderley still. If only. And Troy reader, like as a beast for the Rams. Uh, but I'll take Villanova. It's, it's a game where if you win it, you lock up a seat. If you're Villanova, it's like, there's a lot to play for there. I'm going to go Villanova too. I think, I do think it's a closer game than what we'll kind of expect. I think Delaware will be scrappy. They'll play that spoiler role. But Villanova's a darn good team. Daniel Smith, they, they ne- the wheels never fell off this season. And I think they finish it with a kind of a good win. Maybe it comes down to a final drive Daniel Smith has to put together. But uh, I really like what the Wildcats are doing. And they'll beat the Blue Hens of Delaware. Maine at New Hampshire, kind of a weird game. Maine at one point was in the playoff hunt. They dropped a few games that hurt them after beating UMass. Um, I believe they lost last – no, they they played Beat UMass Matt. last week. But the week before that, they lost to Stony Brook, which was kind yeah. of the, the knife through their heart. So they played New Hampshire. I mean, if they win, they're on the bubble. So who do you got? Yeah, I mean, they're probably screwed with – what are they going to be six and five? That's not a, not a great look for them, but it's an interesting one. Cause it's a letdown spot for Maine, which just beat an FBS team, but also like probably doesn't have playoff chances. But like New Hampshire is bad, bad. Like they're, they're terrible. Which makes Jamie's two point win over them earlier in the season. Look bad. Yes. So ah, it's senior day, but like they truly stink. So I'm going to take, I'll take Maine just because I, I really don't, I want to bet on a team that's as bad as New Hampshire. So Maine lost to Stony Brook, then beat UMass. They've had a decent run the last four weeks aside from that Stony Brook. That's really a disappointing loss. They could have made the playoffs. Maine crushed Rhode Island the week before that. They eked by Albany the week before that. They that's a good win, though. William and Mary, shut up. They beat William and Mary by 11 the week before that. I mean, you're kind of They're looking at bad. it. You ha- it is senior day. Who'd you pick? I'm, I'm picking Maine because they don't stink. I'm going to go with Maine, too. This is more of a strategy play. Um, yeah, you're going to have to get me on the last one, I think. I, this is a strategy play. I don't like Maine to win. But I also don't trust New Hampshire enough to win. So this is me keeping pace with you. So Rhode Island at Elon, who do you got? 
this might be a, a non-strategy play. This is an interesting one. Elon's coming off a nice win over Towson. Um, but I, I think uh, I think Rhode Island's a slightly better team. I also think it's like if you win this game, you are very likely – it might be a win or win and you're in or lose and you're out kind of thing for Rhode Island. So I think Rhode Island kind of they, – they come and play well. They've been good the last couple of weeks to keep their hopes alive. I think they win and make the playoffs. Elon beat down Towson last week. The week before that, they got beat down by Villanova. And then the week before that, they got beat down by JMU. They don't play well um, against top CAA teams. And as crazy as it may sound, I think Rhode Island is a playoff team in the CAA. And Elon hasn't fared well against them. Towson at JMU. I know who you got. Taking JMU, I'll say they win it um, 35-35 to 10. Um, no, no, let me change that. 36, 36 to 10 with 12 Ethan Radke field goals. I hate you. <laughs> I'm going to go JMU as well. I'm going to go kind of a way to stick it to the committee to kind of say in the uh, similar opponent as North Dakota State. North Dakota State, I believe, won 35 to 10. 35 7. 35 7? Yes. I think JMU wins. 42-0. Clinching the number two seed. <laughs> Clinching the four seed. Richmond at William and Mary. This is actually a kind of a tough game to pick. I hope William and Mary wins because like, if they win, I think they're a playoff team. Um, Richmond's looked really good since Mancuso came back. Yeah, they looked really good before Mancuso went down, too. I think I think with him, they were – like, if he had stayed healthy this year, I think Richmond was a playoff team. Yeah. So, I think I think they'll win. I think they'll be pretty pumped to sort of play the role, like you were mentioning, of spoiler, finish the year on a good note. And I also think William Mary is, like, they're decent, but I think you can kind of take advantage of them a little bit if you're playing well, and I think with Mancuso, Richmond is. So, I like the Spiders. I'm going to fade you. I'm going to go William and Mary – not just for the play to kind of catch up with you. I, I think for everything you said, William and Mary, this is a chance to make the playoffs for the first time in the Mike London era. I think they have a really potent rushing attack. And I don't know if Hollis Mathis is going to play. Um, I, we really don't know. He didn't look great against JMU. Was that because JMU's defense is really good? Or is it because his injured shoulder is still injured? I think the rushing attack kind of gets back. I think William and Mary has a good defense that Richmond hasn't really maybe seen since JMU. Then give me the tribe. Give me the tribe. And All right. make the playoffs. So we got two differences. I've got Albany over Stony Brook and Richmond over William and Mary. If they go the other way on both, you clip me and you win the regular season. I win season. the regular season. For the and first time in the history of this podcast, I win the regular season. What am I? I'm three and zero in this thing. You're three and zero in this thing. Cool. And so if what if I get one of those two, I still stay a game up, right? And then I would. If we split those, yeah, you stay a game up, and I uh, and I will win the regular season crown. The playoffs will be interesting. Are we just picking every playoff game? Yeah, of course. <laughs> what do we, well, I, we can just talk about this offline. <laughs> Yeah, I was going to ask you. I was going to ask you when we should pod on Thanksgiving week next week. That is definitely an offline question. <laughs> if you, if listeners have any preference Inside on like, baseball. the podcast, um, let us know. But with all that being said, we're going to slide over into basketball. We'll hit women's basketball first. They played Maryland. Um, they got crushed by Maryland, eighty-one forty-five. 
Yeah. I, we kind of expected this. I remember, I, I think I texted you. I said, if, if Maryland is 30 point favorites, hammer Maryland. But of course there's no lines for women's, women's basketball. So anything you saw from that game, anything like that, we'll hit it quick. We'll move to men's basketball. They tip off in 30 seconds. So I thought Jamie was going to win. Um, I thought they were, <laughs> no, built. I thought they were built to beat Maryland. No, Maryland's unbelievable. And Jamie looked poor. Sean O'Regan was kind of ticked after the game. He thought they were tentative and didn't play well. Fair enough. It's the same kind of stuff. Like they have off nights. I mean, they shot one of 18 from three. They turned the ball over 22 times. Like, and they have no post presence against a big 10 school. So you have to, you have to play well if you're JMU to like even be in the game. But the thing is like, sometimes they have defensive lapses. They give up 29 first quarter points. They were defense looked terrible and they turn the ball over 22 times the team's really talented they're not going to face a team like maryland the rest of the year i think they're going to figure it out and get better um but it's also one of those games where it's like people are probably like you learn and you grow from it when you get 40 piece by someone you're not learning a whole lot to be honest with you like you learn that you're not as good as maryland but i think it's like if you were closer in the game i think you take a lot more away from it like i think they learn more from the uva game where it's like in competitive moments this is where we need to be better in the Maryland game. It's like, I mean, we have to do everything better. Right. So I don't know how much that really teaches you, um, but the rest of the season is not nearly as hard. They've got some marquee games that they have some good chances to win. They're going to be good. They still haven't had, um, was it McDaniel, Peyton McDaniel? Yeah. Um, yeah. Peyton McDaniel hasn't played yet. So like, I think that'll help whenever she gets back. I still like the team a lot. I think they'll be good. And yeah, like you're saying, like, I think both of us kind of expected them to lose by 30 plus. And it's also worth mentioning that, the talent disparity from top and yes. women's basketball teams, you don't see it as much in men's basketball now. I mean, you see the mid-major upsets happen almost on a weekly basis. But in women's basketball, the talent disparity is insane, even between the top 10 teams, number one to number 10. Like, you can almost always go chalk with that, and it's just insane. Moving over to the men's side, they played ODU in kind of a thriller. They had a 10-point lead at half, ended up winning by only five. Um, kind of fell apart there in the second half a bit. Not trying to be too harsh on this team. I'm still really high on them. But they struggled with shooting. Um, they struggled with – I mean, defense looked fine. <laughs> They're good at defense. But they, they just kind of forgot how to shot the, shoot the ball there for a bit. You were in attendance – I was kind of give me the breakdown from inside the Atlantic union bank center. Thriller is definitely a kind word to use. This was a little bit of a, this was a fugly game, but like down late, it was like, it was legitimately exciting. I think everyone in the, the arena was excited, but it was also one that was like, Oh my God. Um, so old dominion Lewis was Rowe would have lost this game. It's worth mentioning. Yeah. Cause they wouldn't have played any defense. Old dominion was one of 15 from three, which uh, that's not good. Right. That's not good. We talked about the women's team struggling from three old dominion, one of 15. They look kind of lost except for one player, DJ Kaiser, who they realized at one point, like, you know, if we just run this guy around screens and get him the ball, he can just shoot a bunch of mid range and pull us in the game. That's what happened. He scored 21. Someone else had 11 for them. Nobody else had double figure scoring. He carried the team big time. JMU. I think the main takeaway is like, they're not going to shoot that badly. Most games, um two they really really don't have a post scoring presence um and it's not going to develop where they have one like they're gonna have to try to attack the rim and slash a little bit and make a lot of threes um but i think they'll probably shoot better moving forward they had some really sloppy turnovers where like guys would run around a screen grab the ball in one hand fire it over their head like into the crowd 
And I was like, I don't, I don't know what this is. So that was frustrating. But defensively, this is an interesting change from the Lewis Rowe era. They use their hands, Jack. They'll put their hands in the air and stuff. I don't know if you saw this. It was clear as day on the flow broadcast. Every time they got back on defense, Byington was putting up his hands, like reminding them, like, put your hands up. And then immediately they all would. And it's just insane what coaching does. I think, I think not to pile on too much, but I think Rose first year, they like installed pockets in the shorts for the players so they could like warm them up when they were on defense, get them ready to shoot the ball or something. No, but like they were one of the lazier defensive teams I've ever seen. And now they're like really aggressive. They've got a bunch of guys who can defend the ball. So that's where I was excited where they had nine steals. Like that's awesome. Nine steals to call Molson um, really struggled offensively, but he had very much did not hit a shot from the floor and finished with three points in 26 minutes. But defensively, he came on. I think offensively. Okay, cool. But offensively, offensively he was 0 for 6 with five threes. He needs to attack the rim more. But he'll he'll get better, I think, um, <laughs> offensively. I, just, I still really like this team. Um, they just need to be a little more consistent. Vado Morse was 0 of 7 from 3, 4 for 16. He's also got something uh, like the middle and ring finger maybe of his left hand are like really taped up, and he was holding them a lot to the point where like every time the ball was thrown to him, he would kind of bobble the catch. I think his hand was in a lot of pain. And sometimes he would bobble it, try to grab it and go up for a three and like miss it by a while. Cause he, he really didn't have a grip on the ball. So like, that's something to keep an eye on. Like, I don't know how much that affects him, but he still had five assists facilitated. Well, I don't know. I love this team. I think they got a chance to be really good. Jalen Hodge is a scoring machine. Five of 10, four from eight, four for eight from deep. Finished with the team high, 16 points. Second game in a row, he's led the team in points. He's a fantastic six-man coming off the bench. Um, Alonzo Sule looking solid as a big man. Uh, Justin Amati, too. Both are kind of more athletic bigs, so I think that slashing to get to the hoop and playing down more in the paint will come more naturally to them. Yeah, this is a team that doesn't have a post presence, but they have a lot of gritty kind of defensive-minded players and Terrence Edwards and Terrell Strickland and Molson. Uh, Chuck Folden, he went two for five from three. Uh, that's not going to be the norm, I think, on the season. I think he's more of a three for six, four for seven type of shooter. Two for five, forty percent is pretty darn good. Nope, I think I expect more out of him. He's going to shoot fifty-five percent from three. Yeah, I do. Uh, book it. Um, <laughs> I, I also I didn't do the math quick enough in my head, and I didn't realize um, that two for five is actually pretty good. I think the volume over two is definitely something though. Like he could be someone who makes multiple threes a game and he hit one, they were down. They led like the whole game kind of blew it late. They're down 51 50. They kick it to him in the corner. He drains a three to put him up. They ended up winning. So he's really, really good. Yeah. I, 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 I too love this team. I think you got to see more out of Molson. I mean, 26 minutes, three points on a single shot was hit from the floor, but he was so good on the defensive end. I think that's why he was in for 26 minutes. Um, watching from Flow Sports, they looked defensively really good and offensively inept at times, but there was other times it, it looked like this team has the capability of of rattling off a couple big wins and, and being the best team in the CAA. Mainly, except for Hofstra, the CAA has underperformed <laughs> especially poorly to start this season, but screw the CAA. Well, yeah, we'll see how the conference develops. I think this might be the best men's basketball team in like like a, a long time. Like if I think they the, did not go seven for thirty-one from three. Um, I think this team can win a lot of basketball games. Home court advantage is the best it's been in like decades. Um, I think the coaching is the best it's been in a really long time. Like I think this might be one of the 
best teams in like this this century of JMU men's basketball because they've kind of had a bad century of of basketball. A terrible century. So I think they've got a chance in the you know the last twenty years or so. I think this is one of the better teams they've had. Um, I like them a lot. I think there's still some stuff they got to iron out. Um, the schedule is filled with a bunch of like decent-ish teams. Like they play Eastern Kentucky tonight. So hopefully right if they lose that one by like 15, we're going to look like morons. But <laughs> hopefully they hang around in that one. I think they got a good chance of winning it, even though they're underdogs. Um, yeah, so like that's cool. They play Mason on Friday. Um, UVA is down the line. But they're like the schedule is not that hard. They got that little Thanksgiving tournament in Naples with a bunch of teams they're going to beat. They're going to win all three of those. They're probably going 30 and out. Yeah, honestly, I mean, ESPN BPI likes them over UVA right now. So that's what worth being said. Anything else you want to add on the basketball team? We'll do a quick wrap up and then we'll, we'll head on out of here and watch the basketball game. I, uh, I love both these teams. I am really excited to see the women develop through non-conference. I think the UVA, we talked about that a lot last time. Uh, the Maryland game is really hard to take major takeaways from. So I think they're one that we'll get into a lot more um, in the next like month once they play games against teams that are level competition. ODU and Jamie was a, a fair fight in men's basketball at Maryland UVA. I mean, Maryland Jamie wasn't in women's. Yep. Um, quick Olympics fork update. JMU women's tennis signs a four time Singapore national champion, Linnell Lim. Um, that sounds like a huge deal. <laughs> that sounds like a pretty, pretty good signing. She'll join the program in January. Uh, Duke swimming, swim and dive. are going to compete in the ECAC championships. And Ethan Racky, somehow, someway, the CAA still giving out um, awards to JMU, wins the national. He wins National Player of the Week for special teams, but he also wants uh, CAA Special Teamer of the Week. Um, you, think, uh, you think the committee will look at that? Like, oh, oh, shoot, they got the best All right, kicker. For Bennett Conlin, my name's Jack Fitzpatrick. We're wrapping this one up. We're gonna go watch JMU. Hopefully, beat Eastern Kentucky. We both have money on JMU. So, have a wonderful rest of your day. See ya. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.